Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Late Show Pod Show listeners can get 20% off on all Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise on ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show shirts, mugs, accessories, and more with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. It's the Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. the late show already in progress ladies and gentlemen my next guest is a singer and a wonderful actor you know from wild rose chernobyl and the lost daughter her latest film is women talking i want to stay and fight but won't we lose the fight to the men and be forced to forgive them anyway i want to stay and fight too no one's surprised that you do all you do is fight is this really how we are to decide the fates of all the women in this colony (laughs) just another vote where we put an X next to our position. I thought we were here to do more than that. You mean talk more about forgiving the men and doing nothing? Everything else is insane. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Jesse Buckley. Hey. Hi. Lovely to see you again. Oh, it's nice to see you, Thank too. Thank you for bringing some springtime into the bleak midwinter. I just thought I was going to have fun this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, listen, we haven't seen you since 2019 when you were on happening? here. What's been happening? Not much. Yeah. Yeah, it's been kind of average. <laughs> so you were on for Wild Rose, and you came and performed and everything. It's lovely to see you again. I've seen you in a million things. <laughs> the Lost Daughter, Chernobyl, Romeo and Juliet, uh, now uh, Women Talking. Um, uh, how were your holidays? Let's, let's start there. We, we, just, we just had a you know, kind of a normal post-COVID Christmas. Did you guys have a good time? Yeah, um, I went back to Ireland for the first time for Christmas since uh, the pandemic, kind of. So it's three Christmases since you've been yeah, back there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Where, where are you from again? Kerry, Southern Ireland. Oh, okay, sure, sure. I've been down yeah. there. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> it's very beautiful. It's very beautiful. So do you have traditions in your family? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> such as? Well, slightly odd traditions. Like, um, my boyfriend, for, when he came back to for Christmas four years ago, he... Um, Is he Irish? He's British. Okay. Yeah. My grandmother used to always give him an Irish name. Like, <laughs> all my kind of English boyfriends that used to be, come home used to be called Seamus, like whatever their name was. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make her feel better? It was a term of endearment, kind of. All like. right, sure. But the first Christmas that he came back, uh, we were like, let's go show you an Irish Chris- Christmas. So we brought him to a, a bar, and it was like proper kind of knees up, fiddles, people jumping over broomsticks, like accordions. It was like, oh my God, I've arrived in Ireland for Christmas. It's amazing. And then we went to our big kind of family Christmas party and he opened the door and it was Mexican themed and he was so confused. (laughs) They were were all singing Feliz Navidad and we were having tacos and like guacamole. And he was like, every time anybody opened a present, they were singing Feliz Navidad, like it was kind of an anthem of... So yeah, I don't know, it's slightly Jesse old, Buckley, multicultural can I, traditions. Jesse Buckley, can I ask you a question? Was Christmas on Taco Tuesday that year? Or why, <laughs> why, why did your family do this? It sounds like a lot of fun. I'm just curious, what was the impetus? Just something different? 
Um, my uncle had lived in, in Texas for a while, and... <laughs> from Kerry to Texas, uh, can I say anything and you'll say woo? <laughs> like, any place, New York, woo! <laughs> Um, and so I think he brought it over. And it's great fun. I'm, I'm all into kind of Mexican-Irish Christmas. Yes. Okay. Um, currently, you're one of the stars of this extraordinary ensemble film. Um, maybe one of the most ensemble performances I've ever seen called Women Talking. And it's, it's a fascinating movie. Uh, it's a challenging movie. It's, it's, a, it's a, a dark story. Tell the people, I believe it's based on a true story. I spoke to the director, Sarah Pauly, when she was on here about it. It's based on a true story, but it's, it's, it's sort of reset. Tell the people what it's about. Um, so it was based on, a, a, there was a, a, an article came out in Vice magazine about this um, Mennonite community in Bolivia where the women had been told, they woke up and in the morning there was blood all over them and they had no recollection of what had happened. And they were told by the community and the elders in the community that they, it, it was dreams and it was the devil visiting them in the night. And one of the younger people discovered that some of the men were creeping into their rooms in the, in the nighttime and tranquilizing them with cow tranquilizer. And so these men were brought to prison, but because of their faith and community, these, uh, they were, the men went to bail the other men out and said, um, if you want to go to heaven, you have to forgive these men. And so while they were away, these women held... Uh, a meeting in an attic over three days where they debated whether to stay and fight, to leave, or to do nothing. And so this story is about this group of women basically embarking on that kind of conversation. It's an extraordinary debate to listen to. And, and what was it like to create? Because a lot of times people get together in sort of like a family atmosphere when you're making a film, and it ends up being a lot of fun. But the subject's so heavy, and you all approached it, obviously, with such gravity and, and personal concern for what the subject is here. Was it fun to make this movie at all? Oh, we had, we had so much fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh -huh. Go on. Well, uh, they're just such a brilliant bunch, and we became such good friends, and... You know, we Claire knew Foy, Francis Claire McDormand. Foy, Frances McDormand, Rooney Mara, who, you know, she's a quiet one. And you never really, the quiet ones are always the kind of most dangerous ones. And um, she definitely broke the ice when she brought a fart machine onto set. A and, fart machine? Oh, yeah. And it was like bliss. Like this sound went off in the middle of this scene, and we were like, <laughs> Is it one of the crew? <laughs> And then she would place it in different places around the set, and it would kind of get louder and dirtier and noisier. <laughs> and, um, and then what else was fun? I made a bra out of bird seed because I thought you made a bra out of bird seed. Yeah, I thought this woman is like suckled an army. You know, she should have something to show for it. <laughs> so I got a kind of bra that had bird seed in it, and I drew two faces on it: one called Ruth and one called Cheryl. <laughs> you didn't go out wandering in a field with that on, did you? Because you'd be the opposite of a scarecrow. Oh, God. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I understand that part of the fun is that you brought um, enough snacks for everyone. And I don't mean the birdseed. What did you... <laughs> 
Did you you brought an unusual Animals, snack? Animals, people. Is, is I like that, to yeah, kind yeah? of feed. Yeah. <laughs> feed. What did you bring? Uh, well, I when I when I was going there, I had a friend who was from Toronto, um, Eva, and so whenever. See. <laughs> Anything you want. Anything you want. Calgary. This is amazing. <laughs> Um, and so whenever I go to a place, I like to like embed myself into the place because you're there for like eight weeks. You know, you need to make Might it feel well. like home. Might as well, yeah. So she gave me a list of places which are great food and like where to. And she gave me a place called the Knot House in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, and you're shooting in Canada. We're shooting in Canada, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this Knot House, not um, you know a Knot House, but like actually knots do the best jalapeno almonds I've ever tasted in my life. And I like got this bag, I was like, geez, these are really good. So I went back and I bought everybody a sack of jalapeno almonds and on week one, they're all fed, they're all happy. <laughs> do you, the best jalapeno almonds you've ever had? Have you had many? Well, my Mexican themed Christmas party in Ireland. <laughs> I apologize, I should have paid better attention. I want to congratulate you on one other thing since the last time I saw you. You won an Olivier Award for your performance in Cabaret with Sally Bowles. <laughs> um, I'm curious, you know, you, you, you started off in, in musical theatre? Yeah, in musical yeah, theatre? Yeah. You've done so many films and, and television at this point, and... It's not so much what's different about shooting a, a film or a TV show and doing theater. I understand that. But you as a performer, when you approach the work, how do, how do you approach it differently? Because in TV, sometimes you get one take and you're done. Or in a movie, you get one take and you're done. Whereas in theater, you get this process of sort of this constant exploration. What's that experience like different for you? How do you, how do, you do the work differently? Ah. Uh. I don't really have like a rule of how I ever uh, do things differently. I always feel like if you open a book, you immediately see that world around you in lots of different shapes and forms. But, you know, for me to go back to do theater and to do cabaret and to have, especially after a pandemic, you know, mm. where theaters have been hit so hard and mm. to be part of that community and have that intimacy with an audience, which is so incredible, but it's such a huge feeling like, you can feel like you're touching one person and it's rippling out to like 1,500 people that will, you'll never know how that might touch them. And I guess in, in some ways with women talking, you know, as a piece, it, it, there is a theatricality to it. And mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot recently, like, what's that about? And I think in the same way, women talking has that intimacy and need of a relationship that can have a, rip, a universal rippling effect to people that you will never meet, you know, out in the world. And actually, the possibilities beyond the parameters of the attic are so huge. Um, and so maybe, I don't know. I'm curious about the applicability of what I learned from women talking about how women talk. <laughs> and I mean that semi-seriously. It's like, not, not always that subject, not that, that heavy. And there is one man, August, there's one character there, sort of a stenographer of what's happening helping all of y'all out, trying to f make up your mind, but how differently do women talk, in your opinion, when there are no men around? <laughs> um, I don't know. Actually, do you know what? This is kind of... What, part, what, partly what drew me to women talking was that I'd never really explored the complexities of female friendships and relationships, and there's so much unsaid about that kind of dynamic. You know, we're often... 
we often are kind of, we placate things and kind of put things under, but actually it's a real beating thing that is complicated and has conflict and has Your character jealousy. is not in a hurry to be friends either. Um, no, I guess she has a lot of fear, you know, and... Which uh, comes out as anger. Yeah, it comes out as, yeah, anger, I guess, and, and uh, cynicism, I guess. And mm -hmm. um, in a way, she's learned to survive her pain by hoping for something better in the next life. And what she comes to unlearn about herself is that actually there's enough to hope for in the life that she's living. And, to, and within this community and within this conversation, in some way, sheds the skin that she's always carried. One, one last thing, and... And, and that's it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. That's fine, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it, is the thing, is that so... You're, 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 you're great in, in, in Wild Rose. You're great in Chernobyl. You're great in the Romeo and Juliet. You're great in, in The Lost Daughter. You're, you're great in this. These are all pretty heavy. But you're just this you're a bubbling font of joy. <laughs> Have you do, you, do you ever want to do like like a rom-com, something completely light and, I mean, oh, it doesn't yeah. have to be frivolous because I think rom-coms are kind of important in a way, but like, why not, why not? Oh. You're so funny. I'm hilarious. <laughs> you are, no, we got Don't you want to, would you ever want to just be the kind of like fun love interest in something? Yeah, yeah, actually, I, like last, Summer, I definitely felt hungry for that, and I just finished filming a film called Wicked Little Letters um, with Olivia Coleman, where I got to be very naughty, and she's really naughty, <laughs> and so it's two people being really naughty. So I'll be back about... here. We'll both Excellent. come back, and we'll be naughty and fun. Fantastic! <laughs> I'll bring the Mexican food. Jesse, <laughs> so lovely to see you. <laughs> Women Talking is now playing in select theaters and playing everywhere on January 20th. Jesse Buckley, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I'm just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus, starting May 1st. Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition wherever you get your podcast.